Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. The title of our conversation together this morning is From Earning to Joining. From Earning to Joining. I think there's so much freedom. Actually, I know there is so much freedom in this statement because I want you to know today that your relationship with God is not about earning anything because we couldn't. We couldn't earn God's love. We couldn't earn God's acceptance. It has been given us freely. And God is doing an amazing work, an amazing thing here on the earth right now, and we get to be a part of it. So it's not about earning our right to step into what God has. It's not about earning our right to be a part of what God is doing. It's simply about joining what's already happening. Just about joining into the incredible work of building the kingdom of God here on earth. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. Amazing guy who Jesus radically transformed and changed his life. And what he was doing at this time is he was writing letters to all these different churches. But what's great about Paul is it's probably very encouraging for us is that he wrote the book of Ephesians from prison. I don't know if you've ever been in prison before. Not a great place to be. But 2,000 years ago, it was an even worse place to be. Constantly chained to the wall, treated very poorly. And Paul had been thrown in prison for doing what God had told him to do. Sometimes I know that we talk about how hard it is to maybe follow God or trust him and our current day and age, but we don't really have the threat of being thrown in prison. Paul did, and it happened to him. You see what happened? Paul was in a city, and he was teaching people about Jesus, and the religious leaders got upset that he was kind of tearing down their religious system of of kind of oppression and influence that they had built, and he was telling them now it was all about Jesus, that Jesus, Jesus had made a way for them to step into relationship with him, and the religious leaders hated that, so much so that they rioted and, and pretty much took Paul into custody and brought him to be thrown into jail where he was at, and Bible tells us that he appealed to Caesar. He said he's a Roman citizen. I, I need to be treated as such. And so they threw him in jail in Rome. And while Paul was in jail in Rome, he wrote letters today that we're still reading. Letters to churches like Ephesians and Colossians and letters to people like Timothy, who were people that he had discipled and taught. And they're still here today simply because Paul didn't look at the walls of his cell and say, you know what, once I get out of this, then I'll do what God's asked me to do. Once it gets easier, then maybe I'll step in to this faith-filled life that God's invited me into. No, Paul's heart, which I think is a great posture for us to adopt today, is God, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, I am going to be aligned with you and join what you're doing and doing whatever it takes to continue bringing hope local, to continue bringing the message of Jesus to every single person that I can, to trusting you no matter what and reminding myself that you're with me. And today we get to read the book of Ephesians because of Paul's obedience, because of Paul's strength, because of his confidence in Jesus. And see, Ephesians is written to more than just the church in Ephesus at the time. The church in Ephesus was a massive church, somewhere around 20,000 people led by Timothy that I mentioned before. And Paul writes this letter to them, but it's also he writes it to us, the capital C church. Someone asked me, what do you mean when you say the capital C church? What I mean is not just local church, but every single church in our city that teaches about Jesus. 
every single church in our world right now that on a Sunday morning is meeting together to experience God, to learn about our relationship with Him, and to be encouraged and inspired. The capital C Church is what Jesus made a way for and what Jesus built so that we could still be doing it 2,000 years later. And Paul was writing to the capital C Church to say, hey, don't give up what God has done. You gotta keep going because God has made a way. God is strong. God is with you. God loves you so much. Don't give up now. Let's start, keep fighting the good fight of faith. And today what we see is that it's about moving from earning to joining, that we're simply joining the good God that is on our side. If you want to read this verse with me, we're going to jump right into kind of the heart of the message. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Underline this phrase for me. And you can't take credit for this because it is a gift from God. Think about when you give a gift, whether it's someone's birthday or Christmas, you give them the gift and they unwrap it and they say, you know what, thank you so much for giving this to me, I'm gonna take all the credit. It's like I went to the store and bought it for me. It's like I paid my money and bought this gift for myself. I'm gonna take all the credit. You would never give that person a gift ever again because you would realize they are ungracious. They are not thankful. What is going on? This is not how it works, okay? Here's the thing. We have to remember that when it comes to uh, the gift of our relationship with God that we have, the gift of grace, that sometimes we receive this gift and we say, okay, God, I know you gave it to me freely, but now I gotta earn it by doing the right things. Now I gotta earn it by behaving right or thinking right, or I gotta do the little spiritual church things that I'm supposed to do. It's not about that at all. It's simply about receiving it and joining with it. Let's keep going though. It says, salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. Would you circle that word for me? Masterpiece. In the original Greek, the word that Paul uses is the word poema, which, if you have some intuition, is where the word we get poem from. Wow, I know, ah, ooh and ah, pretty interesting, right? But the thing is, what I love about it is a masterpiece describes a beautiful work of art, but going deeper, a poem talks about the author's intent behind paying attention to every letter, every word, every syllable that everything in that poem has meaning, has significance. Can I tell you today that everything in your life is significant. Everything in your life is created by God. He's paid attention to it. He's not forgotten about it. He's been with you every single line, stanza, and step of the way because you are a poema work of art. And what are we supposed to do with it? It says this, he's created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now write this down for me today that God's love is a transforming love. It meets us right where we're at, and it always takes us to where we should be going. The thing about God's love that is so beautiful is yes, it meets us right where we're at, but it's transforming. Meaning that once we experience it, our life is changed, it's transformed. That once we experience it, it not only meets us right where we're at, but it takes us where we're going. And what I wanna, give you life and freedom today is and encourage you with today is man you're on the right track keep moving forward and let God's love take you from where you are to where you could be and to where he's always encouraged you to be going see it's not about us it's not about us at all I was kind of putting together this message and I thought about something that maybe some of us have experienced in our life you ever been on the other side of some someone humble bragging to you where they've said like oh I just hate it I I look so young 
And I'm like, be quiet, all right? Like, that's not a problem to have, you know? I'm getting mid-30s now. I want to look young. I got some gray hair coming in, all right? I want to keep looking young. That's important, right? Or you hear the humble brag of, well, you know, I'm just so good at it. They always ask me to do it, so I always have to do it, right? Like, that is just bragging, and no one wants to hear it. I was actually reading a study that they did about humble bragging, and it showed that people would rather someone just be prideful and brag to them about all the things that they're good at than humble brag because humble brag is not authentic, it's not real, and it's just quite frankly annoying, right? Like no one wants to be around it. See, when it comes to God, we can't humble brag. We can't say, oh God, you know, I know I'm not that great, but you do love me and that's okay. No, it's coming from a position of humility, true humility. It's like, God, I don't deserve any of this, but you give it to me anyway. God, I never did anything to earn this, but you invite me to join with you. So let's believe that today as we step into this message. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? God, I'm so thankful for every person here. I'm so thankful for the transformation from death to life, the transformation from earning to joining. And I pray you'd be with every single person in this room and watching online today. You would speak to them as we listen and lean in. God, be with all our kids next door. Help them have an amazing time at church. Be with our kids team and help even our next generation fall in love with Jesus. And God, we're thankful that you are here in this place today, and you love us so much. In Jesus' name, we all say and agree. Come on, amen. Let's clap our hands. Let's get ready to go today into week two of the book of Ephesians, moving from earning to joining. I was thinking about the verse we're about to read, and one of the things that it says is it talks to us about how God has transplanted us or transformed us from one place to another that we could never get on our own. Let me read it for you, and then I'll kind of share a couple stories with you. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. It'll be up on the screen. It's on your card as well. It says this, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. Would you underline that phrase for me? He loved us so much. I don't want you to forget that tomorrow. I don't want you to forget that on Tuesday. I don't want you to forget that in your life, that God is so rich in mercy, which means he is the God who is rich in second, third, fourth, fifth, a thousand chances he is rich in mercy because he loves us so, so much. I love when the Bible uses the word so because it's not just to be there to add inflection. It's actually because in the English language, we can't directly explain or communicate what the original author was intending. They have so many more alphabets and so many more words in their language that they have words that detail out the significance of love, and we just have to say so, right? Like so much more. And that's what I want you to receive today. But here's what it says, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Underline that phrase for me. Seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is kind of getting down to what's real and important to pay attention to in our life. And he says this, how you've been moved from death to life. Let me just tell you, before Jesus, we may have been physically alive, but spiritually, we were dead. Spiritually, we were dead on the inside. 
Like life on the outside may have been going great, but we would probably even acknowledge that something didn't feel right on the inside. That we would go through storms of life, we would go through difficult things, it felt like we had no energy, it felt like we had no strength, because the only thing that can get us through those moments when physically we can't do anything about them is relying on our spiritual strength. And when we're relying on our own spiritual strength, it only leads to death and emptiness. Emptiness. Because guess what? I don't know if you've ever seen a dead thing before. A dead thing can't do anything, right? It just lays there and is dead, not really helping itself, not working, not doing anything, not making anything happen. And I tell you that today because it wasn't about us in our goodness or in our aliveness that God said, you know what? I think, yeah, I think, I think they've earned the right to step into my family. I think they've earned the right to receive my love. No, it was when we were dead that Jesus made us alive. Now, I don't want that to be a downer for you. Ryan, it's a little dark. We're talking about death. No, we're talking about moving to life, but we got to remember where we came from, right? Remember that phrase that I had you underline that now God and Jesus has seated us in heavenly realms? Woo, I like that phrase. I just think that's cool. I just want to introduce myself like that. When people say, hey, what's your name? Hi, my, my name is Ryan. I am seated in the heavenly realms. Now, I may not have any friends, but it will remind me who I am right? It will remind me of my position of my place. Remember last week I told you your position is son and daughter, but once you're a son and daughter of God, your position is seated in the heavenly realms of the amazing things that God has and God is doing in our world and in our life and in his kingdom right now. It reminds me of, and and again, there's nothing we could do to get there. It reminds me of when I was a youth pastor. A lot of you have heard before that I was a youth pastor for over 10 years at a church over in Clearwater before we moved here to plant local church. And we would do an event every year where we would go to Universal Studios to see all these Christian bands and this Christian big concert. And it would go till like two or three in the morning. Now I don't care who you are, if you're surrounded by 10, 15, 20 middle school students for like seven or eight hours into the wee hours of the morning, it's gonna wear on you a little bit, all right? It did me. Like by the end of the night, I was like, God, you better do something because I'm about to hurt some of these kids, all right? Um, They're yelling, they're bothering me, like I've tried to do the best I could, right? You know, I say this all the time, jewels on my crown, this is for heaven, not for earth, but right now I wanna do some earthly damage to these kids because they're driving me crazy. And apparently, I looked pretty worn out, I looked pretty stressed because the kids were complaining that they wanted to go on this ride that I knew had like a 90 minute wait for it. Now, I don't understand People I will never understand is the people at the theme parks that walk up to a ride they want to go on and see that it says 90-minute wait, and they're like, yeah, I'll wait in that. No, I'm not waiting in that. I'd rather ride Dumbo like 100 times at Disney and wait in a line for over two hours or like an hour and a half. That's just not me. But at this point, I was trying to be the selfless leader that I am and serve my people. And they said they wanted to go on this ride. And I was like, okay, guys, it's across the park. Let's go. And some guy that overheard our conversation said, oh, I'll walk you there. I know where that's at. I said, okay, sir, whatever. I've been here for like six hours. I think I know where things are. But he said, I said, okay, because he had like a walkie talkie on, seemed kind of legit. So, okay, man, we'll follow you. And so he leads us through the crowds to the ride. I see that it says, you know, 75 minute wait. And I'm just, you know, praying, God, please help me. I'm about to be in a confined space with really loud kids for a while that I'm on my last nerve. Just help me here. Just help me be patient. And the guy steers away at the last minute away from the line and takes us to like the staff doors, like where it says employees only. I'm like, sir, are we allowed to go this way? And he says, yeah, with me, you're allowed to go this way. And so what's great is we don't walk through the line that has like all the, you know, themed stuff. We walk through 
brightly lit hallways, clearly employees only. And we walk through this hallway and we walk through the end of this door, out this door, and the view is amazing. We're right at the front of the line about to get on the ride. And I'm like, sir, thank you so much. And he says, I could tell that you were really going through some, something. I could tell you were a little stressed out by your kids here. And so I figured, why not just give you a gift? And he, then he gave me his card that had his number on it. And he was like, if you want to go on any other ride, just text me and I'll help you guys get to the front. And I was like, oh, thank the Lord. He rewards good work and faithfulness. And literally a couple times later, before the night ended, I text him, hey, they want to go on this. Oh, sweet. I'll meet you there. I'll get you to the front. Here's the thing, though. If I had walked up to the staff at that ride at the front of the line and said, hey, Excuse me, I'm like this close to hurting one of these middle schoolers in my group, and I could really just use a win. Could you just let me to the front of the line? His response would be, hey, man, you and everyone else here at this event tonight, you and every other adult that I've seen this evening, so no, you got to wait in line like everyone else. It was only because the person's position and authority that I joined, that I walked with, that I was able to do anything. Here's the thing. A lot of us, we keep running into brick walls, or we keep feeling like we're getting no, or not the answers that we want. It's because we've forgotten that it's about joining with the person, the person, Jesus, who has all all the position and all the authority that we need to be taken into the enjoyment, excitement, fulfillment of life that we're looking for. Come on, if you're thankful for what Jesus has done for you with his position and his authority, let me hear you. That's good. Come on, we're seated in heavenly realms today. Not because me, it's because Jesus saved me a seat. It's because Jesus made a way for me. And that's what Paul is trying to remind the Ephesians about. Hey, it's not about anything that you've tried to do. See, the Ephesians needed to be reminded of this because they were in a culture, a lot of them were new, new believers, and they had grown up in a culture that talked about, hey, you gotta earn your right, you gotta make the right sacrifices, you gotta do the right things, you gotta appease the gods so that you don't get destroyed, so that, they, so that you can be accepted by them. And he's trying to remind them that's not it at all. It is only because of Jesus. It is only because the loving posture and heart of God that, you have, that we can have any access to him. I believe these next two statements, they might be a little bit deep, a, lot, a little bit intense, but I believe they're going to give you freedom today. Write this down for me. It says this, that we gave God no reason to love us, but in the greatness of his love, he loves us anyway. I love this statement. Because just so you know, we gave no reason for God to love us. When our son Shepherd was born, he didn't really give us, give us any reason to love us. He was crying, he was a little yucky and messy because he had just been born. But right away, as soon as we saw him, we loved him, right away. Not because of any reason, but just because that's the posture of a loving mom and a loving father. And it's the same posture your heavenly father has towards you. Listen, we're gonna be a little messy. We're gonna be screaming and crying sometimes. We're gonna wanna, you know, whoa, what is that thing, right? Like God's gonna have, we might have that reaction in our life sometimes, but God says, hey, I love you anyway. I've given you my love and it's because of my heart towards you as one as a heavenly father, first and foremost. We gave no reason, but I love this. In the greatness of his love, he loves us greatly anyway. There's so much power in the three lines of this statement because it's the greatness of his love. That gives me so much freedom. Because sometimes I know my love is not that great. Ask my wife. Sometimes my love is not perfect. A lot of times it is, but there's few, little times. It's not that great. It's not, I'm just kidding, being, you know, just being sarcastic there. It is not great. It is, it changes daily. It's conditional sometimes because I'm human. I'm imperfect. I'm messed up. 
but thank God it doesn't depend on me. It's on the greatness of the love of God, whose love is unconditional, whose love is strong, whose love doesn't change, because God is a holy God, and holiness is all about consistency and commitment, and the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's about the greatness of his love, and no matter what, he loves us greatly anyway. I think that word anyway can be so freeing for you this morning. That when you think about your past, when the enemy tries to remind you about all the things that you've done, come on local church, whether you're here or online, lean into this today. When the enemy tries to remind you what you've done, when the enemy tries to hold over you right now the season that you're in, or the doubts or questions that you have, you need to respond to him. You need to respond to yourself. Hey, you know what? Yes, all of that might be true, but God loves me greatly anyway. So I'm going to lean into what's even more true, what's even more powerful. I'm going to lean into the anyway because that's what God's offered me. No reason, but he loves me anyway. And that's freeing for us because church is not about coming to church, reading our Bible, worshiping. It's not about earning anything. It's about joining with what's already going on, the great thing that is already happening. Here's something else that I believe can give you freedom is that we got to stop trying to make ourselves lovable to God and simply receive it while recognizing we are unworthy of it. I'm going to read that again for you. Stop trying to make ourselves lovable to God Simply receive his love while recognizing, ooh, got a little fly around here. He's trying to get in on the message too. While recognizing we are unworthy of it. I love this idea because we can expend so much of our energy. We can spend so much of ourselves trying to earn something from God, trying to make ourselves appear a certain way. But we don't have to do that. You know, sometimes here in the physical realm of the, the world and earth and in our Social friendships and relationships, you know, we try to make ourselves level with by what we wear, how we talk, our appearance, all these things. With God, man, he sees right through those things. He sees right through to who we are. He sees right through to sometimes the death that we were before and the brokenness that we still have and the things that we're still dealing with that, we're, that he's trying to transform and help in our life from day after day. And all we have to do is simply receive it while recognizing that we're worthy of it, unworthy of it. I love this idea that it's about receiving this thing. No one ever says when they receive a gift, oh, okay, I guess I gotta work for that. I, I use this example all the time. When you give a gift to someone, you don't also give them the receipt and say, hey, Venmo me or pay me back whenever you can. It's not a gift. But sometimes we treat our salvation and the grace of God like that. Like, okay, God's given me forgiveness. I wonder how much it costs. I guess I'm gonna have to pay him back because you know, he's gonna be sending me those, you get those friends that they, they request Venmo from you. And then if you don't do it, after a few days, you get like the notification like, hey, this so-and-so is still waiting on your Venmo request, right? <laughs> now here's the thing, with God, it doesn't work that way. It's a gift, it's free, it's free. So just receive it and then recognize you didn't do anything to deserve it. See, I love, you know, people love, I'll be honest, I love getting gifts on my birthday. I love getting gifts on Christmas. I just, I like it a lot. The other thing, though, I love, too, is when I get a gift and it was for nothing. Like, because I didn't deserve it. Maybe on my birthday, Christmas, that's what you do. But when someone gives you a gift, hey, I was just thinking about you, and I wanted to gift it. There's something so significant and meaningful about those gifts. And that's what God has offered us. It's not because it was a holiday. It's not because it was your day. It's simply because he was thinking about you and wanted to help you and wanted to bring you back into his family and let you know that you're a son and daughter of his. You don't have to make yourself lovable. It's not about getting everything right at the front door, and then when you walk in, okay, I've gotten all tidied up, I've gotten all straightened up, now I can walk into God's presence, now I can walk into God's house. That's not how it works. You don't have to wipe your feet at the door. Come on in. 
You don't have to worry about what's going on in your life. Come on in and let's experience God together. Let's move from death to life, from earning to joining together. And Paul continually is reminding the Ephesians about this. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Though I am the least deserving, this is Paul writing this. He's in prison for teaching people about Jesus, planted tons of churches, is writing amazing letters. Here's what he says. I am the least deserving of all God's people. He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Would you underline this phrase for me? God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was the eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. I love this because Paul is saying, hey, I'm the least deserving. I would say, Paul, you might be a little bit more deserving than me, okay? You're in prison for telling people about Jesus. That seems like a big deal. You're writing letters to churches that you have planted that are reaching thousands upon thousands of people. That may help you deserve a little bit more, but Paul, one of the most important people in the Bible who paved the way for what we're still doing today after Jesus conquered death and gave us freedom and forgiveness, Paul continued to bring that message throughout all the corners of the earth. He says, I'm not deserving of anything, but the one thing I'm thankful for is the gift of telling people about Jesus. The one thing I'm thankful for is helping people that who are lost know that they can be found in the life-saving, hope-filled message that happened to me on the road to Damascus. If you know anything about Paul, his life was changed radically in a moment because of Jesus. And he said, I'm not deserving of any of this, but I'm just thankful I get to be a part of it. I didn't earn any of this, but I'm so glad I joined it because, man, it's not, there's nothing better than being part of this. Paul reminds us, getting these words inspired from the Lord, that God is using the church to display who he is and the wealth and wisdom and power that he has in the heavenly spaces. Let me tell you what that means. When we do what we do on Sunday mornings, again, it's not just checking a religious box. It's not just attending a building. It's being in a life-giving community of people created by God. When you worship, when you lift your hands and sing out to God, when we study God's word and write notes down, we pray for things up on the screen and pray for each other. When God sees that, he looks around all of heaven and points to us and says, hey, this is what it was always about, guys. This is what it was about. This is why Jesus went to earth to bring people back into our family so they can experience the heavenly things on earth. So they can know God, so they can know me and they can experience my son Jesus. So they can know what it's like to transform and grow and experience a love that they have never thought they could know. And yeah, they didn't do anything to deserve it. Angels, we get it, okay? But it's awesome, isn't it? God's proud of what's going on. He's excited and he's proud of what we're displaying week in and week out. I mean, I'm just so thankful I get to be a part of this. I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of something that is literally changing the world. Where we introduce people to this understanding that hope has a name and that name is Jesus. And that no matter what, there is always hope 
Please don't give up. Please keep going. There are people that are fighting for you. There are people that are praying for you. There are people that are caring for you and caring about you. Come on, don't give up yet because you are a part of the family of God when you've trusted Jesus with your life. Whether you're just trying to find a place to belong, come here, you belong. And we, we pray that eventually you will believe in these things that we're excited about because we know we don't deserve it, but we received it anyway. And we recognize that we're unworthy of it, but now we're just excited to display who we are and what God's done for us through the capital C church to anyone who will listen. It's what it's about. This is it. See, what I'm thankful for, and I want to encourage you today, is that we're all a part of something greater. See, when we, the best place of freedom that we can be, the best thing we can open ourselves up to is understanding this isn't about me anymore. It's not about what I receive from this place, but I do receive a lot. So much encouragement, so much prayer, something about being in life-giving community where you really feel like you belong. But man, when I step on to now serving and seeing God do something through me, man, it's not about me anymore. It's about who I can help. It's about who I can serve. Think about it this way. Think about maybe your favorite coffee shop or a restaurant you go to a lot. And Imagine the person on the other side of the counter. And when you walk in, I'll just play it through like it's me, right? You walk into your favorite coffee shop and they're like, hey, Ryan, do you, do you want the usual? Yeah, sweetened cappuccino, let's go. That's the morning drink. Let's, yeah, I'll take the usual. You just feel cared for when they know your name and they know what you're looking for, right? Now, see, for us, we can keep walking through the door and there's always gonna be people here at another church, wherever you go. There's always gonna be someone that knows your name and, and knows what you're looking for and wants to help you. But if we just stop there, we're missing out on all the amazing things God wants to continue to do and new things God wants to do in our life and through our church. See, when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to being the church, which is ultimately what, God, what Paul is talking about in the rest of the book of Ephesians, is not just being on this side of the counter anymore, but stepping around to the other side of the counter and learning people's names, learning what they need, praying for them, helping them. When they walk through that door, hey, how's it going? How's this going in your life? How's your family? How's your job? Is there anything I can pray for you for? Because I'm just happy to be here and I'm happy to serve you. Because today I'm displaying the things of heaven here on this earth. It's not about me anymore. It's not about local church anymore. It's about the capital C church and we're just playing a small part. I'm just playing a small role and continually to proclaim the good news message of Jesus a place where you can belong and have a place and have a seat at the table. See, what we get to do, write this down for what we get to do through serving, through being the church is we rub shoulders with our Heavenly Father to see, as we learn to see the world the way He does. And we're working alongside God today. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're working with God today. Tell them, you're, rub shoulders a little bit if you know them. If you don't, don't do that because that could be weird. But come on, we get to rub shoulders with our heavenly Father to see the world the way he does. See, God sees people as people, not as problems. God sees people as people, not as political parties, not as brokenness, not as mistakes, not as what they've done to us. God sees people as people. And when we become people of grace, when we become followers of Jesus, we see people as people. We see them as potential sons and daughters, brothers and sisters in our family, whether they deserve it or not, because we know we didn't deserve it, we invite them in and we see them as what God can do in their life. We see them as people that God loves that's what God does. And serving and caring, rubbing alongside our Heavenly Father as we do this thing, as we build the capital C Church, and we begin to see people in a totally different way. And I promise you, it's really freeing. When you see people the way God sees them, 
the things they post on social media don't quite bother you as much anymore. When you see people the way God sees them, those mean things that maybe your coworker or boss says to you don't, doesn't have as much power anymore. What your family says about you or how dysfunctional they are, can we, you know, be honest? <laughs> doesn't have as much power anymore because we realize, man, I'm just loving them. Even though they, even if they don't deserve it, I'm still loving them because I'm just displaying what God's done for me. I want to have a little fun a little bit. It's going to sound nice and fun with our serious, like, spiritual piano behind us today. But I thought about how we care for people, right? And I thought about what people do when they go to a restaurant or they go to a place that's all about service, right? I thought about Yelp and Yelp reviews. Have you ever read them? I wanted to share a couple that I read I thought were really funny. This one says this. The entire kitchen and wait staff saw an ice cream truck and ran outside. This is supposed to say, leaving me alone in the restaurant. Ten minutes later, they all came back with ice cream cones. They didn't even ask me if I wanted one. I'm never going back there because I love the ice cream truck. All right, that's not my review, but that's someone's review. The next one says this. Waited over an hour for our meals. They were not worth the wait. Staff was rude and dismissive. Highlight of the night was when the busboy smuggled us two mozzarella sticks. Now that will redeem any night, but man, two hours waiting for your meal, no thanks. I saw this picture on Yelp that made me laugh. It says this, come and try the worst meatball sandwich that one guy on Yelp ever had in his life. That would make me want to go there. But check out this five-star positive review. Last night, we had the best time at dinner I think we've ever had. Our server, Jamie, was adorable and full of personality. She was attentive, entertaining, and knowledgeable. She is a huge asset to your restaurant and deserves all the kudos. Definitely be back soon. You know what this five-star Yelp review never said anything about? The food. What they actually took in. What made their night so amazing, so, mem so rem a night they could remember, was the person who cared for them and served them and, and made their night enjoyable. The thing is, there's going to be times, I promise you, you may not like the songs we're singing. You may not, you may disagree with what I'm saying up here, but it's not about that. It's about serving and caring for people. And we begin to move from what I'm getting to what I'm giving. It's so freeing. And we realize, man, if people are experiencing Jesus, I don't care what's happening. If people are finding purpose and making friends and dreaming big and dreaming again with their life, I'm just so honored and humbled that I get to play a part of it because now I'm seeing people the way God does. The last thing I want you to write down is this. The greatest joy comes from caring for others in the same way God cares for me. You're looking for joy in your life? Start caring about people. You're looking for joy in your life? Find a place where you can serve others and truly just make a difference in their life, knowing you may not get anything in return except the spiritual fulfillment of knowing you made a difference in their life. You want to find joy? Remember that God cares for you, and so we care about every single person that walks through these doors that we come close to on a Monday through Saturday experience simply care. The, wor the world could use a little bit more people who simply care with no ifs, ands, or buts, right? Just, I just care about you. That's it, period. And that begins to bring joy into our life. Because here's the thing, this is what Paul's getting at, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Says, now, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly confidently into God's presence. And I love how Paul finishes this. So please don't lose heart. Don't give up because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you. So you should feel honored. See, Paul was also really old and a little cranky sometimes. So he was in prison. He's got the right to say some of this stuff. But he said, hey, I'm suffering in prison. I'm chained to a wall or I'm chained to a soldier. I'm suffering for all these things. You got to be honored that you're, that you're keeping going. So don't give up. 
Now you can come boldly into the presence of God. That's what we're doing for people. See, all these words, sometimes we think boldly and confidently that when it comes, oh, oh, I'm supposed to walk in like this. So my son Shepherd walks like this now, anywhere we go. It's really funny. Like anytime we're going somewhere, he's like, let's go. He goes like this. And we think that's how we're supposed to walk. Oh, I deserve to be here in the presence of God. No, no, no. That's not what Paul is getting at at all. Because sometimes we don't feel confident. Sometimes we don't feel bold. What Paul is saying, though, is you can come freely into God's presence. Meaning that even if you feel bold or not, even if you feel confident or not, even if you feel broken and messed up or like you had a good day, you are always freely welcome in the presence of God because he is a heavenly father who welcomes you and you didn't do anything to earn it. He just wants to join you in your life and bring you into his calling and bring you into his family so that you can see who you are and so that you can begin to display the good things that he has in your life and around you. It's from earning to joining. And man, there is so much freedom there. As we close today, I wanted to give you this little example. I thought about this as I was preparing this message. We're gonna close with this little object example here. See, I think in our life, some of us, we enter into this place here where, you know, we've said yes to Jesus in our life. See, the Bible refers to us as empty vessels a lot. And we've said yes to Jesus. We've opened ourselves to the things of God. We've said, God, here I am. I surrender my life to you. Whatever you have for me, I want it. But we forget to truly mean what we say. Now we say yes and we come to church and we begin to pray a little bit and read our word and we kind of begin to just step into what God has for us. But something feels wrong. We're trying to go deeper into what God has, but it seems like we're just floating on top. We're just scratching the surface. And then we begin to try to earn it, right? We do things because we think that's what we're supposed to do. All right, I'm gonna try and earn it by going to church a little bit more, by reading my word, by praying, by doing the right things. I'm gonna try, but what happens is, leads to a frustrating place because the harder we try, the quicker we rise back to the top and don't go deep into the things that God has for us. We don't go deep into the joint. I want to, I so badly want to join with God, but I feel like I'm getting pushed away. It's not about doing. It's not about earning. It's about becoming. It's about believing. It's about trusting. And so when we've really opened our life up to God, we really open our life up to God. Jesus calls himself the living water. Anyone who comes to me, man, they can drink and they will be thirsty never again. And so when you say that, when we open our life up to God and we say, God, whatever you have for me, I want you to fill my life with it. And we truly mean it. This is what God begins to do. He takes the living water of Jesus, the living water of his Holy Spirit, and he begins to pour those things into our life. And just without us doing anything, just out of complete surrender, we begin to sink deep into the things of God. We begin to become filled and fulfilled in our life, and we sink down to the depths of the amazing life fulfillment that God has for you and me, and there's no change in that. There's no getting that out because what God has filled, no one can drain, no one can empty. That is who you are. And listen, that living water, it's going to look like correction sometimes. It's going to look like trusting God even when you disagree, but I promise you it's always going to lead a place, lead to a place where you're more filled and fulfilled than you ever thought possible because now you're joined with God. He's poured himself into you and when there is nothing the enemy or the world can do to take you away from that. It's about simply receiving, recognizing I don't deserve it, but knowing that now I'm joined family of God and the work of the Capital C Church because of Jesus. If you're thankful for that, give me a good amen today and let me hear you because that's what it's about today. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thank you so much for joining us on The Local Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart. 
Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to local church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.